Okay, uh, good afternoon. And welcome to this afternoon's Meet the Artist uh, on the Sunday, the 14th of April in the War Memorial Opera House in San Francisco before uh, this afternoon's performance of Program 6 in the 2013 San Francisco Ballet season. Um, the MTAs are presented by the Center of Dance Education, the San Francisco Ballet, and this event will be uh, recorded and broadcast later on a podcast if you wish to hear it again. Uh, apparently they're having technical difficulties, so you may have to wait till June to hear it, but uh, I'm assured it will be there at some point. Uh, I'm Martin West. I'm the music director. Oh, thank you very much. I'm, the, uh, I'm doing the introducing today, so I'm, I'm a bit nervous. I'm not, I don't normally do this. Uh, and today we have a very special Meet the Artist, because it's not a Meet the Artist. We are behind me, we have the wonderful San Francisco Ballet Orchestra. It's my honor to uh, be their music director and to lead them through the majority of their performances. And um, I'd like to introduce them to you a little bit, and I'd also like to introduce to you another artist of this afternoon's performance who sadly can't be here, and that is Sergei Rachmaninoff, who wrote the, the music for the final ballet you're going to see today, Edward Liang's uh, Symphonic Dances, set to music by Rachmaninoff of the same name. So the ballet orchestra, as you see, uh, was founded in its present format uh, in 1975, so it's going to be 40 years old very soon. And in fact, we have members of the orchestra who've been here since its inception. And I was just thinking, the first violins probably have an average of about 25 or 30 years' experience by themselves in the section, which is why the orchestra is so uh, fantastic for accompanying for ballet, and which is why we have so much uh, corporate experience and knowledge about how to do it. And we, we like to think that we do a good job for the dancers. They can tell you something else, I don't know. Uh, we have 49 basic members of the orchestra, but as you see, we nearly always play with more than 49. In fact, we have about 67 here today to play the Rachmaninoff. It's a big orchestra. And we've raised them up a good two or three feet from their usual subterranean level so that you can see them. And if you can't see them, I do uh, encourage you to come and sit down towards the front because they are nice people and they don't bite. <laughs> At least not much. Okay. So I did want to uh, introduce the orchestra to you uh, by playing some of the music of Rachmaninoff, uh, and, to, and especially the symphonic dances, so you, you have something to listen to and uh, to tell you something about Rachmaninoff himself. So uh, Rachmaninoff was really one of the most famous musicians of the 20th century. He was a prodigiously gifted pianist, and he wrote uh, many, many works, and he was extremely popular with the... With, with, um, with the audiences, but he was never—he wasn't always popular with the uh, the critics. But he did write some incredibly famous tunes. Uh, one we have here: uh, Michael McGraw, who's our pianist, been with the company for 27 years. I'm sure many people you know. Uh, if you could just play a little bit of the the C minor prelude, that perhaps. Okay, and he wrote an, uh, many symf two, three symphonies. Uh, the second symphony has this wonderful tune that maybe the orchestra play a little bit of. 
Everybody go. And, and so on. Uh, and another very famous tune that you'll have heard in recent seasons is the Paganini variations. And we'd just like to play just our favorite bit, which is the 18th, some bit of the 18th variation. And so on. Yeah. But uh, so these are great successes for Manonoff. Uh, the, the, the second symphony you heard was so great that even Barry Manilow chose to use it for one of his songs, If I Should Love Again. Um, he, the critics didn't always like him, as I say, but uh, he had a, when he was younger, he wrote a, a first symphony which was absolutely panned by the critics. And it was, uh, it was a terrible time for Manonoff. I think it's a great work. It starts like this. Let's just play a little bit from the orchestra. We'll play just the opening few bars of it. It's very dramatic. It's very, very dramatic. But um, the piece, the, the, especially the premiere, was a disaster. And uh, actually, it was conducted by Glazunov, who was reportedly drunk, which is not a very good thing. But uh, it was so badly received that Rachmaninoff went into a very deep depression. He didn't write anything for three years. In fact, he thought he'd never write anything again. Then he uh, wrote his second piano concerto, which uh, maybe Michael could just give us a little bit of a demonstration. You might recognize this. Full moon and empty arms. <laughs> and so on. And of course, that was a great, great, huge hit, and he was back. He, uh, his his uh, concertizing career was back, and his composing career. So, Romanov, the composer, was mostly successful with the audiences, not with the critics. Was always a troubled man with the composing. He found it very hard. And the symphonic dances that we're about to talk about a little bit, with the last piece he wrote, 1940. And uh, it's a, a wonderful piece. It's a wonderful piece to play. It's tremendously difficult for the orchestra, technically challenging, but at the same time incredibly rewarding, which is why I think 
uh, for me, I think the orchestra, I, I can't speak for them entirely, but I think it's one of the pieces they will probably have tell you that they enjoy playing as much as anything they've ever played in this pit. Um, it's actually the piece I played when I was 17, and it was, when I, it was that moment during a rehearsal I decided that I really need to be able to conduct because I have to have a go at this piece. So it's a very special piece to me as well. It, uh, it starts very simply. Uh, with just the first violins start just play a, a lot of Cs. Am I speaking? Yeah. It's, it's not, the, not the most wonderful bit of melody he'd ever come across. Uh, there, is a, there is a hint of a melody in, in the woodwinds, uh, played by the, the English horn and the clarinet and the bassoon and the bass clarinet. No, no, this is, this is the beginning. Okay, we had a little accident there. Let's do it once more. This is just the opening tutti. Let's do that once more. You were right. Okay, so a, a very strange opening, almost, almost a tune, but not quite, made of these very simple triads. Da, da, da. The three simple, most simple notes in the whole of music. And then we're suddenly transported into this violent world. Uh, Rachmaninoff almost is like he's, he's very angry. The cellos, the bassoons, the basses repeat those notes as loud as they can. The first violins repeat their Cs as loud as they can too. And we're filled up with the rest of the strings and the horns to make this really quite stark opening. And, then, and the woodwinds then play the real theme, the first theme, which is also based on our triads, and it goes like this. Uh. And so on, it goes on. The movement is tremendously violent. In fact, let's play, let's play the opening of the whole piece so you get that in context. You start with this very quiet, almost nothing from the violins, then this incredible violent outburst.
And so it goes on, tremendously violent all the way through. In the middle section, we're introduced to the, a relative rare member of the orchestra, the saxophone. David, would you mind standing up? Dave, David Henson is going to play the saxophone. And we have a, a beautiful melody, which we'll just play a little bit of. Just play, David. It's a beautiful, beautiful tune. It's almost calm. David, if you just play the first three notes for me once more. You see how there the, are the, the triads once more, but this time he's, he's, uh, he's put them the wrong way around. Instead of da da dum, he's in da da dum. He did that many times. He did that in the Paganini variations, the tune that we played you earlier, was the theme transports upside down and slow down. He was very clever like that. So the movement goes on, the violence comes back. And towards the end of it, Rachmaninoff gives us something very special. It's like he's shaking us out of a nightmare. We hear these chords, and you hear the shudder, and we end up in a sort of a heavenly world. Maybe we can just play a little bit of that. See how beautiful that is? Like the heavens have opened. We listen to the, the, the glockenspiel played by David Rosenthal over there, and, uh, and the harp and the piano, all playing these little bell sounds, like the, the, the sun's shining through the raindrops after this terrible storm. And then underneath it, Rachmaninoff quotes something very special, something very dear to his heart. Let's just play the first four bars of the first symphony once more. Let's not forget that that piece had been forgotten, totally forgotten. Rachmaninoff had, had lived with that in his own heart all his life, but no one had heard that. And Rachmaninoff quotes this piece now in, this, in, the, in the end of the symphonic dances, underneath this heavenly, beautiful music, very calmly, slightly changes it, but it's a definite quote. And this is what we get to hear. See, it ends 
The way it started with the violins playing their C, but so calm, as if Rachmaninoff has sorted out a struggle in his life. And I think this is what this piece is about. I wish I had time to talk about everything. The second movement is this amazingly dark, mysterious waltz. But I'd like to skip to the third movement, because I think this is an important piece of Rachmaninoff's compositional history. Uh, before I talk about it, there's one piece that haunted him all his life. And this was called the Diezire. It's a Gregorian chant. It was a piece that many composers used, uh, Liszt, Saint-Saëns, uh, Mahler, all sorts of people. This is a very famous quote of one uh, from Berlioz's Symphonie Fantastique. If you were listening very carefully to the first symphony, you might notice that the main theme of that allegro also has a diezeria in it. Nathy, may I ask you to just play that your little bit? You see, it's all there. So in fact, even Rachmaninoff used the diezeria for his first symphony. It was a piece then that haunted him all his compositional life. The third movement starts with a, with a big outburst followed by these chords in the woodwinds. Let's just play the beginning of the, of the third movement, shall we? <clears throat> now, let's just listen, let's listen to that once more with the oboe, and we'll add one extra note to the oboe before she starts. We'll add one extra B-flat, see what it sounds like. Maybe just lower play it, would you? Just, just we'll do the lower one. Can you hear the diezire there? Isn't that incredible? It's already there, except he didn't quite quote it properly. He quoted it almost in its entirety, but he was hiding it from us a little bit. Then the orchestra get away, uh, on with the piece, and then we do... Uh, the, the Allegro starts, is it 58 now? Yeah. Okay. It was a fast version of the, of the music we heard at the beginning of the, of the, of the movement. <laughs> And so on. So this very fast movement clearly nearly derived from the DOZ era, but not quite. A little later on, we get a second theme from the violas. The whole, the whole, uh, we'll have the whole orchestra play it, shall we? Where are we? Losing my place now. 67, is it? Three before 67. Let's just play the violas once more, and we're going to alter this tune by one note again. Okay? We'll do the excerpt, yeah? No, the excerpt. We'll do the excerpt you have on the thing. Okay? And. 
da 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 the dieserie again. It's all around the piece. It's all there. A little later on, the slow section starts. The cellos play a beautiful tune with the whole orchestra accompanying them. I think you'll hear this in the dieserie as well. You hear that? The Diezero is still a haunting manner all through this piece. And then, finally, after a beautiful, gorgeous section, we start to get on the way home. Towards the end of the piece, Ratmanov builds and builds. The, the cellos take it over, and then, halfway through the build-up, the brass play a sort of fanfare based on this, this theme that the violas gave us before. and so on. And then finally, Rachmaninoff is going to give us a DA0 we've been waiting for for half an hour. Okay? The build-up's amazing. Let's just listen to the whole build-up, shall we? Starting with the cellos. You'll see how he built it up, the, the tension mounts and mounts. got there. And the bit that follows is uh, uh, almost ecstasy. It's like Rachmaninoff can't control himself. He's let the cat out the bag. This is what my piece was all about. The DA's here. I've shown you. I've shown you. Now, I'm going to a little skip in the, in the, uh, the excerpts that we have. Uh, later on in the, in the piece, very, very soon, Rachmaninoff quotes from the Vespers. This is a very famous piece uh, that he wrote. It was very dear to him that he had played at his funeral. It's a choral piece, and it, it goes like this. Maybe you could play it over the, the tannoys. Or maybe not. Ramanov quoted this piece almost directly in, in the next bit. Uh, 
And over the score, he wrote the word hallelujah. He, wrote the, he, he told everybody this was a hallelujah. You heard the word hallelujah, and he makes it very clear. So I'm wondering, why did he write hallelujah? Some people suggest that he was a religious man, and there was, he was saying, well, you know, the DAZ very uh, triumph, that God will triumph over hardship, or maybe optimism overcomes sadness. But here's my theory. He wrote that first symphony based on the Dies Irae, and it was a terrible disaster. And it haunted him all his life. He didn't write for three years, and finally got to his final piece. He wrote this incredible masterpiece, and he knew it. He knew it was a great piece. He wrote, hallelujah, thank you, God. I have written a piece on the Dies Irae. They didn't like my first one, but I'm sure they're going to like this one. He was proving to the world what a great composer he was. And it's interesting to me that this was the final piece he ever wrote. Although he died relatively soon after, in 1943, just three years later, he was in very good health when he wrote this piece. He could have easily written more, but he chose not, chose not to. I don't know if he would have written something more had he lived longer, but I do know that he was very satisfied with the work he'd done up to that point. So when you list, I, I'm for, fortunately, I've run out of time. So I can't play you anymore. I would love to have a few more excerpts, but that's, uh, that's life. Um, so when you listen to this piece, listen to the violence, listen to the, the inner calm, and when we get to the hallelujah, which you'll hear in the trumpets tonight, played by John and David, sorry, yeah, I couldn't see him, and David and Adam, just think what a joy he had all his life, troubled by composition, worries and angst, and finally he felt free, finished his work. So I'm, I'm sorry I've run out of time. I have, I've, I have one minute for a question, if you like, but I haven't got any more time to play with the orchestra. I want to thank very much the orchestra <laughs> for, for going with my extraordinary experiment here and going with the flow. I do thank you so much. Uh, we, next time we'll have it timed out, but much better. But if you have, I have a question, yes. Why doesn't the orchestra of the ballet orchestra give concerts like the opera orchestra does? Well, that's a very good question. Uh, the, the biggest problem is money, unfortunately. So if anybody would like to donate a few thousand dollars, I'm sure we'd be more than happy to give you a concert. We did actually give one concert last year uh, uh, to donors uh, as before we went to record the Beethoven Triple Concerto, which is now available in all good record shops, by the way. Um, uh, but we would love to do concerts. Uh, we, will, we like to think that we give a concert every night when we're playing for you, so. Oh, and we also did the chamber music concert uh, early on this year up in Piedmont Piano, and we hope to do that again next year. So we'll try and let people know that's happening. Okay, I have two more minutes. Sure. Mm-hmm. We would like a lot of, okay, well, we'll see what we can do. The question was, uh, why, is there not a lot, why is there not a lot of pictures of the musicians around? Uh, I don't know, we'll try and we'll, we'll uh, see what we can do. Okay, one last question, I'm sorry, yeah. What a good question, what are the auditions like to be part of the orchestra? Very difficult. We, we, um, we have a national audition for when we have a vacancy. Uh, we don't have many vacancies, because as you see, many people stay for, for 30 odd years. So, there aren't many vacancies, but when we do, we advertise it nationally, and we have applicants. We have an application, uh, a harp audition coming up uh, 
soon. And we'll have anywhere between 50 and 300 applicants for the part. And then we invite uh, some of them to audition. And we take three days to listen to all the players. And we whittle them down bit by bit. And they play behind the screen, so there's no, no uh, sense of uh, you know, imbalance of how, how we see people and hear people. And then we uh, give a job for a year. And if that's successful, then we give them the tenure in the, in the orchestra after that time. So it's a very complicated and a very difficult process. OK, one more. I, have to, I, tell you, I, have to, I wouldn't normally stop, because I like talking. But unfortunately, as you see, the pit is very high. And the crew have to lower the pit back down to their usual level so they can get some oxygen in and everything like that for them to breathe. So just one last question. How do I coordinate with the dancers? I go to lots of rehearsals. I go to lots of rehearsals with the dancers so I know what they're dancing. And I rehearse the orchestra in, in a way that will be uh, OK for them to play for the, the dancers. And then when I'm conducting, I'm watching the dancers, and I, and I change accordingly sometimes if the dancers are off the music or if I help them you know, through their, their own artistry, should I say. It's not about off the music, but it's like conducting a concerto. They will do things, and we, I respond, and the orchestra responds to, with me. OK, I am afraid I'm out of time. I thank you so much for coming. Once again, thank you so much to the orchestra for their time. And please do enjoy the, uh, the, the afternoon's performance. Thank you.